how do we know when we're being our authentic selves? Well, it's simply that we are being true to ourselves and we are not, uh, this is my view, I'm giving my now my yep, personal yep. and professional opinion, is that we are not driven by fear. We are driven by desire and, and truth and, and want. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hello, Balancers, and welcome to our very first guest episode of 2022, which I am so excited to be bringing you all today. Firstly, Happy New Year to you all. I hope you had an incredible break, a lovely festive season, and I know I spoke to you all in last week's episode, but for those of you tuning in for the first time this year, welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Balanceary podcast. Now, before I introduce our incredible guest for the day, I did want to catch you all up to speed. So for those of you who are not up to date on episodes, just very quickly, we have excitingly launched our very first online workshop, which is all about goal setting. So if you're somebody who has set goals already, but maybe you're hesitating to take action, or maybe you're procrastinating a little bit, perhaps you feel a little bit overwhelmed or a little bit of self-doubt in your ability to actually execute on those goals, then this course is going to be perfect for you. It's also perfect if you haven't yet set goals and are hesitating for some reason, or if you just need a little bit more structure and guidance so that you have a very clear path on how you're going to achieve your goals this year. Because I find often and so many times in the past, I've fallen into a bit of a set and forget pattern where I just set my goals and then I don't really take much action. So if you feel like this has been you in the past and you want to make 2022 your year, Check it out. I've popped a link in the show notes below and you can use our discount code at the checkout called podcast. Also, we did a quick five minute episode last week. So it'll be the one just before this one, episode 65, which explains and answers all your questions that have been coming through on social media. So go and check that out if you are interested. But now for today's very, very special guest, I am joined by Alison Shamir, who is an imposter syndrome and confidence expert coach. She's also a speaker and a media contributor who spent 10 plus years in senior roles across the tech and media sectors. So Alison's specialty is really arming the audience with knowledge and evidence-based methods grounded in neuroscience to build an unshakable confidence to overcome imposter syndrome and do the deep change work needed to rewire their brain and achieve the success they desire. Now, what I really loved about this chat and the work that Alison does is just how interesting imposter syndrome is. So if this is something you've never heard about before, or maybe you've heard it a couple times, but you don't really know what it is, this episode is going to be super informative. By the end of it, you're going to have a very clear understanding as to exactly what it is and the difference between it and self-doubt, as well as having some practical tips on how to manage it. Alison also shares some key signs to know if it's something that you're dealing with. So to know if you are experiencing imposter syndrome, but she also shares a really cool new idea, which I haven't heard of, which is imposter moments. We also talk about why we're our own harshest critic, limiting beliefs, which I'm sure many of you would have heard about before, how we then can also self-sabotage as a consequence of all these things. And perfectionists, you will also get a shout out in today's chat. So if you're the type of person who feels like 
Maybe you aren't good enough to be doing what it is that you're doing, or you feel like you're an imposter, somebody who's going to be called out, like they're not worthy of being there. Then this episode is perfect for you. And if you know somebody who's likely suffering from imposter syndrome or self-doubt or anything in between, then share this episode with them. Knowledge is only good when it's shared. If you love today's chat, you can connect with Alison more on Instagram at Alison Shemi or on her website. I've popped links to both in the show notes below. And if you do go on her website, you can subscribe to learn more about Alison's work and upcoming programs. And my favorite part, because I have subscribed myself, is that you get free weekly expert insights and coaching tips direct to your inbox. So if that's something you feel like you'd like to read on a weekly basis, just jump over to her website and subscribe. That is it from me, guys. I hope you're excited about 2022. I have a really awesome vision for the year. I have a lot more courses that I want to roll out, but I'm really pumped that we've got the first one off the ground. So thank you so much to everybody who's already jumped in and joined the community and done the course. And if you haven't and have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. Let's dive straight in. So to kick off 2022, our first guest episode of the year, I am joined by Alison Shami. Welcome to the Balance Theory Podcast. It's so lovely to have you on today. Thank you, Erica. I'm so happy to be here um, and really appreciate the invitation. So thank you. I look forward to chatting. Of course. I'm very grateful for your time. I know um, you're busy, kicked off January with a bang, you know, didn't have too much of a break, but um, I'm really excited as I was just telling you off air to have this chat because I feel like the work you do, what you specialize in um, and the context of what you talk about and advocate is something that a lot of people struggle with. Me personally, I have struggled with it quite a lot, a lot and it was actually um, a big driving reason as to why I launched my goal setting workshop, which we'll get into a little bit later as well. But for anybody listening who may not have seen your uh, profile before, maybe they haven't heard about you before, can you just share a little bit about the work you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I am an imposter syndrome um, expert, coach and speaker. um, And I do a lot of work on confidence um, as well. And so the work that I do, I work with women individually from a coaching perspective. But from a speaking perspective, I work with uh, unisex audiences or whoever you choose to identify. And I work with organisations, you know, whether it be companies, industries, groups, networks, speaking on the topics of imposter syndrome and confidence and everything that rolls up underneath those. Um, I'm a business owner, so I left a high-paying corporate role three years ago to um, take the entrepreneurial plunge and launch my own business. And so that's what I've been doing day in and day out for three years. Um, And I also do some media commentary on these topics and some writing um, and a few other bits and pieces just to arm you know, my audience and um, with the right type of content and more importantly, content that can help them overcome imposter syndrome, you know, build their confidence, achieve their goals, which I love so much about the work that you do, um, Erica, and really get to where they want to be, but be happy and, in, and embrace that and enjoy and enjoy the journey along the way. Because as you know, some of us can achieve a level of success, but if we're held back by imposter syndrome and a few things we're going to talk about today, we don't properly internalize that and we don't enjoy it and, and we miss out on a lot in life. So that's kind of me in a, in a nutshell. I hope that answers your, your question. I know I'm going to be putting some more context as we go through. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a great place to start. A um, couple things I wanted to ask you there. So you mentioned you were in corporate. So what, what work were you doing in corporate? Because I assume you didn't uh, graduate from school and think I'm going to be an imposter syndrome <laughs> coach. Um, not, I don't think it was probably even a job. It's one of those things you kind of, you know, I, th- I think we live in an age where you can make your own role, which I think is so great. But I'm curious mm. to know kind of where you came from, like what was your corporate background? Yeah, great question. Uh, So I did. I spent uh, around 15 years working in corporate and I predominantly worked in the technology sector. So I held uh, multiple leadership positions, obviously worked my way up to those across those 15 years um, on the commercial and sales and marketing side of technology companies. Um, mostly international companies, American-based. One was New Zealand-based and a few others in between. I also spent some time in media and publishing for three years, which I loved before I moved into technology. So I had that corporate career, um, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, um, doing all the things there. I got to travel a lot in that role and I I just did some really, really exciting things. Um, But when I was in that, you know, and climbing the ladder and chasing the success that I wanted, uh, two of the greatest barriers that I saw hold, uh, in particular, women back, but it's it's more than just women, which we'll touch on throughout this podcast, but that I saw hold women back were confidence and uh, a unique type of fear, which is imposter syndrome, which, of course, I know we're going to delve into. And so I started to notice these barriers holding other women back. I had my own experiences with imposter syndrome as well that I went away and did the work on to overcome. And then three years ago... Um, I thought, you know what, I really want to help individuals and help them on a larger scale. And that's when I migrated into getting coaching certification and doing some training and other things behind the scenes. And then at the beginning of 2019, I made the leap into, uh, it was very scary at the time, obviously no, no regrets, uh, but when yeah. you say goodbye to the safety and security of A, a great career and B, a big salary, you know, and these things that, that, that matter, you know, mattered at the time, um, it was scary, but um, I did that because I knew it was the right time and, um, and life is short. And I, uh, a couple of years earlier, tragically lost a very close friend to cancer and that impacted my life in such a way that I actually had one of those moments where I'm like, what the hell am I doing? This is this is my time. You don't know how much time you're going to have. And uh, and that's what a bit of a turning point. And that that's really what prompted me at the beginning of 2019 to um, to take this plunge. So certainly didn't come out of high school um, wanting to do it. But this career, the current career that I'm in, you know, that draw me to talking to you today was fueled by two things was fueled by my own obsession with imposter syndrome to cure myself which is what I've done over the last eight years. And the second part is helping other women or those who identify as women in particular do that so you don't hold yourself back, so you do hit your goals, so you do become or do whatever it is you want to do without this debilitating fear or limiting beliefs um, holding you back because so many of you listening to this or either do have so much to give. And if I can help you in any way with the work or the content I put out, get close to that, then I consider that my job. Yeah, I love that. And you've actually answered my second question, which was, have you either been inspired by other people around you or was it something you've experienced yourself? And I think the combination of that makes it um, such a stronger place that you're coming from because you have that understanding, but you're also inspired, you know, to help those and share it with those around you. So before we dive in anymore, I think it's probably a good time for you to maybe explain to anyone who's maybe heard imposter syndrome being thrown around, but they don't actually know what it is, or maybe they're just curious to have, you know, a bit of a bit of clarity at this point before we dive into techniques and how it impacts us and et cetera. 
Yep, great. So I'm going to give you sort of two perspectives um, on this based on, you know, who might be listening and sort of the type of work or how they might be experiencing it. But essentially what imposter syndrome is, is a type of fear. And with imposter syndrome or those who experience it, you constantly feel like at key times in your career that you're going to be exposed as an intellectual fake, phony or fraud despite evidence of your actual skills, talent, intelligence, accomplishments and your abilities. So just your ability to do something like starting a podcast or launching a business or going for a promotion. So this unique fear and feeling like an, an imposter stems from you not feeling worthy of your achievements along the way. So because you don't feel worthy, you don't internalize them. Is that sort of like uh, limiting beliefs? Is that the same thing? Yeah, well, they tie. So they are connected in that if you're experiencing imposter syndrome, the seed of that imposter syndrome comes from a self-limiting belief that you have that is often planted sort of in childhood or adolescent years. And I'll, I'll definitely touch on that or if you've got questions on that today. But yes, that's where the link starts there. So if you've got imposter syndrome, you've got a limiting belief. But what makes it imposter syndrome is this underlying feeling that you have as an individual of of feeling like you're going to be exposed, you know, as not knowing enough, exposed as faking it or fooling everyone. So those of us with imposter syndrome, we um, don't believe that we are as smart, talented, capable or able as other people think that we are. We have a warped temporary perception of ourselves um, and that underlying, as I said, and keep coming back to feeling that we're going to be exposed as a fake, phony or fraud. And I've highlighted that wording a couple of times for a reason, because people often get self-doubt standard self-doubt and imposter syndrome confused. So it's something I love to highlight in my work because you can experience self-doubt without experiencing imposter syndrome. But if you experience imposter syndrome, you are going to have really chronic self-doubt at key moments. So that's, what, that's why I love chatting now and you mentioned self-limiting beliefs because that's, that's a key part because with imposter syndrome, somewhere inside you, you believe that you're not worthy enough that you are not good enough. You actually question yourself. I am not good enough. I will not be able to launch that podcast. I will never be able to do um, that thing or I'll never be as good as Erica. So the spotlight is always on you and your identity with imposter syndrome. Whereas with self-doubt, self-doubt is about your ability to do something. So an example of that is, oh gosh, I really want to launch a podcast. Erica's got a great podcast. I've never done it before. I wonder if I'll be able to know how to do it and do all the bits and pieces involved and do all the steps. So see how the focus is on the doing of something as opposed to I'm never good enough to launch a podcast. I'll never be as good as Erica. So imposter syndrome, internalizing, very you-centric, I'm not worthy. Self-doubt, very much you questioning whether you can do an action or something that's a task. Um, so that's how I like to explain it, especially in the work that you do, um, Erica. I thought that definition was really important for, for your audience and hopefully it helps them self-analyze to if they're having a moment of imposter syndrome or just a moment of self-doubt because they're two different things. No, I really appreciate that distinction. It wasn't actually something I was aware of before. I kind of thought self-doubt underpinned imposter syndrome, which no doubt it does. However, it, it it's clear to me now that that imposter syndrome is just that stretch further where it is that the spotlight is on yourself and, and it's, um, you know, you, it's you know, a little bit exactly. Deeper. 
Exactly. Yeah, you said it uh, perfectly with the spotlight. It's just that, yes, imposter syndrome, I guess a, an easy takeaway for the audience too is that it's more identity level, as I said, questioning you, me, 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 whereas self-doubt is more task-related or third-party related. It's about the thing, whereas imposter syndrome is about your perception of yourself before we even get to your abilities. So um, hopefully that just gives a clear definition for anyone um, listening or watching. Absolutely. And so now I'm, I'm a bit curious with imposter syndrome, how would that outside of say like internal thoughts, how would that as well potentially manifest in someone's life? So maybe someone's thinking, oh yeah, I think I have those thoughts from time to time. Would it, or could it potentially show up as self-sabotage or comparisonitis? Would any of those fall under this umbrella or is that a separate thing? Yes, they can. You're, you're, you're spot on. So um, often, if you're experiencing imposter syndrome, you do self sabotage because you and you do that in a couple of a couple of ways. And just in the interest of time today, I'll give you a couple of the the top line ones. But we self sabotage by taking ourselves out of the equation. So not doing the thing that we want to do, not throwing our hat in the ring, not launching the business, not launching the podcast. We actually keep removing ourselves from our goals and from the things that we want to achieve. So we sabotage ourselves because we are holding ourselves back because we're driven by this fear of being exposed. So, so we do that. Then we also have an unhealthy view of competence. So when you're experiencing imposter syndrome, you are quite a harsh critic of yourself and you feel that you have to live up to what we call, those of us who specialize in imposter syndrome are, are what we call competence types. So you feel that you have to be a particular way and you look at situations in a certain way. And some of those particular sort of types, you know, of, of competence that were first coined by the wonderful Dr. Valerie Young, who's the global leading expert on imposter syndrome. Um, a couple of those, I won't go through all of them now. If anyone wants to Google Dr. Valerie Young, you'll be able to read them for yourself. But some of the most common ones you're probably familiar with, Erica, are um, a competency type of perfectionist. So those who become perfectionists when you've got imposter syndrome become very, very fixated on it's all or nothing. If it's if it's 99%, it's not good enough. They focus on that 1% and they feel shame and extreme fear and anxiety around not getting things perfect. That's just a quick example. Um, another common one is what we call the superhuman. So this is someone because they're driven by imposter feelings and thoughts, they think that they have to be great at everything and do everything equally across their business, across their life, across everything that's going on and do it at this really high competent level. Otherwise, they're going to be exposed as not being good enough. So you develop this false sense of um, reality, essentially, because you already are good enough. You already are doing great things or capable of great things. But because this fear has been triggered in you, you're not internalizing it. So people are coming to you saying, Erica, I'll give an example using you, Erica, great podcast, love what you're doing, love what you're doing on your platform, love your new goal, you know, goal setting course. And on the surface level, you go, oh, thank you, you know, and but behind the scenes, you might go, oh my God, what are they talking about? They haven't figured out yet that I have no idea what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. So you really have this warped perception of yourself because fear has taken over. So you self-sabotage, which I touched on, you develop these different levels of sort of competency or self-evaluation, right? How you view success to be. Um, you can start comparing yourself to, to, to your point and go through 
um, really negative patterns around, again, linking it back to, I will never be as good as that person. I will never be able to do that. So back on the, the I, the me, the self-evaluation, they're very, very common. Um, you know, and we often have this niggling voice in our head, which is something um, I wanted to share with you. So those who experience imposter syndrome, we say really nasty things to ourselves. Like, you will never be able to do that. You will never be good enough. You know, we get really nasty. I'm sure people listening to this, most of you will resonate with this. We are our own worst critic and it is on autopilot so bad sometimes that it can be really paralyzing. Um, so there, there are some typical signs to, to look out for, as well as that underpinning thought of, oh my God, they're going to find out I'm not good enough. You know, they're going to find out I've been fooling them. They're going to expose me and tell me, I'm sorry, your time podcasting is up. We know you're not good enough. Um, just to link it back to, to an example. So I know that was a bit of a long answer, but the thing about imposter syndrome is it's a completely, co- it's a completely complex and layered topic. So my goal today with you, Erica, was to give you as much information as I could in this time, but then also leave the avenues for anyone who would like to listening to this to know exactly where to go to seek additional information because it's not a quick fix. And I know we're probably going to cover that later in the podcast. Um, you know, I've been working with imposter syndrome and studying imposter syndrome for nearly nine years. And um, there's a way it's it's ever evolving. It's ever deep. There are many examples. So it's not a quick fix, but you can learn to manage it and you can overcome it is, yeah. is the good news. <laughs> is the good news for, <laughs> the great for news. everyone. It's the great news. No, that's great. I think it's um I think it's good to have a mixed pool of, of ways it manifests because it's not necessarily the same. And I think as well, imposter syndrome, well, certainly in my experience anyway, it's not necessarily just manifested itself as one way. It's it could be, you know, um for one project you're doing and then another thing you're doing, and then maybe you and your you as a professional and you as a partner in a relationship, you know, I think it runs in so many different ways. So I think it's important to know as many different ways it can potentially manifest. And just back to your point about the first one, self-sabotage, we remove ourselves from the equation is a typical uh aspect. Is that also a very similar to procrastination. Is that another way that that could also manifest? You kind of push something back and just don't get around to it? Yes. So procrastination, in in my view and and in my work, procrastination is a form of self-sabotage. And so, let, and, and let's face it, like, let's be honest for a moment. We all procrastinate, right? We all have moments where even, even me, we all have moments where like, gosh, I should be writing that article or doing this thing. And, you know, I'm, I don't know, making brunch or reading a different article or having you go, gosh, I'm procrastinating. So, so we all do it. I just want to be clear. That is something that we all do. But, but from any, but if, to someone who's experiencing imposter syndrome, because you're spot on it, um, they can procrastinate hard or often, and they use it as a coping mechanism. Because they fit, they think to themselves, well, if I just procrastinate, and again, I'm just using you as an example, Erica, I hope that's okay, but if they're just like, that's well, fine. I'll just, I'll, I'll, just um, I'll just launch the podcast next week. I'll just ask that person to be the guest next week. And so as you, with it, when you're in imposter syndrome, as you push tasks off or you procrastinate, you're actually protecting yourself because you're like, oh gosh, 
I'm, I'm now no longer going to be exposed. I'm now, I've now pushed that off so I don't have to worry or get anxious about that. So we use pro- procrastination, those of us with, who experience imposter syndrome, as a coping mechanism. Um, yeah. But you can also just procrastinate, you know, in, in your life by not doing the things you want to do because they're not fun. Um, so, but yes, in this context, you're absolutely spot on. And, and procrastination impacts us in so many ways. Not only does it prevent us from doing what could be awesome and make us great, um, it's a false sense of coping mechanism to do with imposter syndrome. And then what happens What happens when we procrastinate too long and we get to really close to the deadline? Our cortisol goes through the roof. Our stress is off the Richter. We all freak nighters. out. We get all-nighters. <laughs> and, and then what happens is, is we feed this unhealthy pattern of self-sabotage. We get drawn into that cycle. Um, we get good at procrastinating. We get, good at, we get good at procrastinating. We get good at like, oh, this is the way it has to be done. Oh, I've protected myself. So essentially what you're doing is teaching your brain unhealthy patterns or habits. And our brains are prediction machines. So in my work, I'm also a student of neuroscience and I bring a lot of neuroscience or brain-based models to my work because that's what builds lasting change. That's what builds transformation is when we rewire those habits, those thought patterns, those limiting beliefs of used on Erica and we really get those rewired into our brain. Um, so, so our brains are prediction machines. So if we're constantly giving them that self-sabotaging cycle, when it comes to the next day, our brain's going to go, oh, I'm just going to defer to that cycle. And that's how we get stuck. As you're probably familiar with, Erica, that's how we get stuck in the negative cycles. And so we have to find a way to intercept and break those cycles, uh, which obviously you have, um, Erica, because I love that you shared you've been able to, to push yourself through um, you know, the moments that you have, have found hard and, and you can see that action is the only way out. But you've got to be doing the right action <laughs> to get you, um, which is why it's important to um, seek help from people who understand imposter syndrome and, and um, you know, if you, want to, if you want to overcome it so you're getting the right information. And that doesn't have to be me. There's plenty of creditable information out there from global experts across the states and things like that as well. But that's super important. Find creditable information to help you. Absolutely. And back to the point in procrastination, I'm glad you, um, you know, spoke a bit at length about it. The reason I wanted to bring it up was because, especially this time of year, you know, when people are sitting down to set their goals, I feel like a lot of people can fall in this set and forget pattern, right? Where they sit down, they're all motivated in January and then people listening now, we're three weeks into January, you know, and and potentially you've taken no action towards those goals and procrastination can kick in and just continue to push them back. And one of the things um, I was thinking about, I I suppose when I was reflecting on my own journey, um, I didn't have the context or background of imposter syndrome at the time, but with hindsight, I can see Uh, It was definitely a case of I had set these goals, but with imposter syndrome, all these limiting beliefs kind of standing in the way, I can see how I definitely like, you know, I put off the podcast for six months longer than what I should have. I wanted to launch it in January and I didn't launch it till June. And so when it comes to goal setting, I think this is an important thing to look out for or at least be aware of because it may not necessarily pop up at the start when you're all motivated and writing your goals. But as you go on and you have those signs of self, self-sabotage, they could be little telltale signs that you're dealing with some strong limiting beliefs or some self-doubt or the next level imposter syndrome. So I think it's a really important thing for That's anybody right. listening to seriously consider because the way I see it is if you are you know, plagued by any of these things, you potentially could be setting yourself up for failure 
because when you, you know, I, yes. I kind of see it as a, a crack in your foundation. When you're building a goal, you're growing as a person. And if you don't, you know, think and feel yeah. you can become that person, that's obviously when these things are going to start to manifest. So I, I love that we're having this conversation so close to when people would be setting their goals, because I think it's just such an important thing. And I can see in my own past that, you know, it, it has kind of interjected in my own plans um, unknowingly mm. with hindsight. I can obviously see that. Um, but as you yeah. said before, um, that, that, you know, I've been able to work through them. I did want to ask you something because it is something I, you know, with action, as you said, I've been able to overcome, mm. but it's certainly not yeah. something I've been able to block entirely. I still from time to time have those thoughts because as humans, we're growing, we're changing, we're always trying new things. And, and I, I don't know about you, maybe when you went from your corporate role to then starting your business, if it plagued you once more, or if because you had done the work, you know, you had then that strong foundation to deal with it when it came in. So I guess my uh, long-winded answer there and actual question is, is imposter syndrome something you can learn a framework for and then it never plagues you again? Or is it something we're likely to expect as we try things, you know, as we try new things, as we set new goals, as we, you know, push our boundaries? Mm-hmm. Firstly, I love, I'm glad you gave me the long-winded version because I love everything about what, what you just said. You made so many brilliant points in that. So thank you, thank you for, for, for sharing that all with me. And the answer is both, Erica, because it depends and you, you nailed it in terms of, so what happens if you, you know, get a handle on it here and then you change situations or you get a new job? And, um, and that did happen to me. You actually nailed it. So when I left my corporate career, you know, by then I'd had a good handle on my own imposter syndrome. Six months into launching my own business, so sort of halfway through 2019, I had a major episode of imposter syndrome. Hadn't had one in a long time and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I actually had to have four days um, off work because uh, nobody freak out here at hearing that, I'll explain. But um, the reason why is because I my imposter syndrome had crept in. I started overworking and I actually drove myself to burnout hmm. and like legitimate yeah, burnout. When you are yeah, when you're physically, too. mentally, I'm exactly so you know. And so as you know, when I hit burnout, my body was so riddled with uh, just mental and physical stress and, and that sort of thing, but anxiety that my actual brain, and again, nobody freak out because this was driven by stress in my particular uh, unique situation, the prefrontal cortex, which is the front part of your brain, which controls rational thinking and really co- cognition, started to not work as great. So I would wake up in the morning and I felt okay, but I couldn't think properly and all these things are happening. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm in burnout. Um, so it did, it, it even come back and caught me off guard, someone who was well and experienced with it. So it can happen. But the difference is, is once you have the tools and once you understand its foundations and when you understand the work you need to do, you can talk yourself down off the ledge faster. So you can have what we call us experts, um, imposter moments, instead of imposter life, <laughs> life right. or weeks or, or this or that. So you can have a moment, but go, oh, hang on. I know this is my imposter syndrome talking, or I know because I want to launch this podcast or I want to launch this business, this is what's happening. I'm just going to take a minute and step back and go through my process. So to answer your question, it's both because the key factor here though, to answer the other part of your question is it depends on your environment. So if you are someone who's listening to this and your environment that you work in or that you go to every day or where you spend a lot of time is what is triggering your imposter syndrome feelings, so is making you feel that way, 
then you will learn to manage it and perhaps even overcome it. But you're going to have to be using those strategies and tools more regularly because you're constantly triggered, ongoing triggered, right? Whereas if you're someone who has it in a role now or and then you sort of manage it and you settle in and you've got sort of the tools, then um, you may just be managing that comfortably. And it may not, it may just go away literally for six months, six years. It might, might not come back. That's the thing about it. Everybody's journey and life and environment, bring it back to that, because that does play a role. So your environment plays a role, um, is, is, it makes the difference. So to answer your question, it's, it's both my job as a coach and speaker and expert in this area is if somebody comes to me about imposter syndrome in whatever context, I quickly identify, are they experiencing it regularly? Or is it something that just came out of the blue based on something that shifted in their life? And that uh, determines, to your point, how best we can approach um, managing or what I call conquering it entirely. Because you definitely definitely can conquer it so it doesn't come back um, as well. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's both. I know it's a it's – a, but, but – um, and depending on your situation. So, you know, we've all got different lives. But the point is you can definitely get a full handle on it or you can definitely conquer it entirely. Either situation is going to help you significantly achieve your goals, feel worthy and have a happier life and have greater success, whatever success means to you, however you define it, um, you'll be able to do that, achieve that and enjoy it. Most importantly, in, enjoy it, right? We don't just want to be successful and be miserable. Yeah, we that's to, right. We want to internalize. We want to be happy. When we hit those goals, we want to go, yes. You know, we want to celebrate. We want to be proud. And then, sure, then we want to move on to the next one or set the bar a bit higher. But we want to celebrate the journey. It's super important not only for your brain and your body, uh, but for combating imposter syndrome as well. Absolutely. And I can definitely appreciate how complex it would be when you start to factor in, you know, people's upbringing and their current environment and then whatever they're doing that's creating the imposter syndrome. But I think it's really important to humanize it a little bit and give people that reassurance. Absolutely. You know, that um, I love what you said about you can have imposter moments. Um, because I think it's so, um, well, to me personally, just hearing that it's quite comforting because whilst I don't think I'm, you know, stuck in a syndrome per se, I definitely, definitely have bouts and moments where it does creep in. And I think that as long as you're trying something new and you're in that, um, you're out of your comfort zone, I think it's quite normal in ways to feel that way because you've not been there for the first time. You're navigating that space, um, you know, whether it's at the extent of imposter syndrome level or just self-doubt, I think it's important to say, hey, you know, these things do come up. And I think um, that's why it's so valuable that we've got you on today and we'll be chatting about a couple of tips and techniques as to how people can deal with that too. So thank you for sharing that. I think that was probably one of my biggest takeaways from the conversation so far. Um, and, and another thing you said as well that I just wanted to touch on before we move on is about enjoying the process and looking back at when I started the podcast and I'll, I'll keep going on that example too, cause it is something yeah. you used. you're spot on in, in <laughs> terms good. of how it's great. Yeah. Yep. You're, t- you're spot on in terms of how I was feeling at the time. Um, truthfully, those six months where I was pushing it back and I was saying, oh, but I'm not ready yet. Oh, but I don't know enough. Oh, but you know, I haven't done X, Y, Z when I should have just taken action and started it. It was not an enjoyable process. And the thing with goals or doing something new is it's not about achieving the thing. It's not like the moment you do that thing, you know, you get all this happiness and you get so excited. It's actually the process of you becoming the person who does that thing. And so the beauty or the magic of it is completely in 
um, the journey of doing it. And if you're completely riddled by this self-doubt or this anxiety, it's going to become so unenjoyable in a, in a way that you miss out on what the whole point is in a way. So I think firstly, it's important to be able to have that general awareness to know when these things come up, but to humanize that those moments can creep in and that shouldn't take away from your journey. Um, it more comes down to how you manage it, which leads me to ask you, what are some ways we can combat imposter syndrome or imposter moments so that, you know, we can enjoy our journey and we can stop procrastination and we can be aware of moments where we self-sabotage. Yeah. Well, I am, um... I'll share a couple now, and as, as sort of the caveat around that is, I just want everybody to know that these tips that I'm going to share are key focal points that are really going to help you, but they do need you to implement them and do them over time. So there is no quick fix to imposter syndrome, just like there is no quick goal. You know, you can't achieve it over overnight, but we take incremental steps, we put them in play. To your point, Erica, we take action and we take consistent action and we start to make a difference. We start to make a dent on these negative thoughts and you know these experiences that we're having and eventually the feeling changes. So I want everyone to know that the feeling, you feeling like an imposter will be the last part to change. You won't start this journey and overnight go from feeling like an imposter if you're experiencing imposter syndrome to not feeling like an imposter. You will make incremental shifts every single day and start to grow your awareness and perspective. And by doing action and by reframing things and a few things I'll talk about, you're going to start to strip away its power. So imposter syndrome is a fear. And like any fear, if we just pull away the layers and we approach it bit by bit, we start to dismantle, I call it in my work, which I think you've said today, which I loved, that synergy, the foundations. If you want to overcome imposter syndrome, I teach people first to rattle its foundations. So think about the analogy of building a house. We don't start with the roof. We don't go and put that up, right? We do. We start with the slab. We start with the frame. And I know it's a very simple analogy, but it's true when it comes to imposter syndrome. If you just try try and battle the feeling of an imposter, you won't get very far because you're in the same sort of um, headspace. You know, headspace, exactly. Thank yeah. you. So we've got to rattle those those foundations. Um, and just before I get to the tips, just quickly something, Erica, I wanted to cover because you mentioned it a few times. I think it's super important. The word syndrome. So um, I probably should have covered this up front, but I think we've, we've gotten to it now, which is fine. But um, imposter syndrome. So the name was first coined in the 1970s. And it, the term is actually called imposter phenomenon because it's such a phenomenon of experience and feelings. And then somewhere along the line in the 80s, someone brought in the word syndrome. So it became popular culture, and it's still the most commonly referred to name, imposter syndrome. But I want everyone to know, if you're experiencing imposter, I'll call it syndrome in this case, we can call it phenomenon. It's not a clinically diagnosed syndrome. It's not a clinically diagnosed mental illness, such as depression or anxiety and these sorts of things. So that's why... Uh, the word syndrome is there, but I want you to know that you can seek help from clinical professionals or those sorts of things if you want, but you don't have to. You can just sort help from the experts in this area as well. So I just want to put that out there. So call it phenomenon, call it syndrome, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, but just just know that it's not you know it's not some it's not some it's not some disease. There's nothing wrong with you. It's very common. It impacts around seventy odd percent of individuals in their lifetime. That's huge, right? So you're Massive. you're not Massive. alone. 
massive you're not you're not alone and it's a big big topic so i just wanted to clarify that for everyone as well i don't want you to listen to this and go oh gosh is it just me or perhaps you're happy that erica and i are talking about it and it makes you feel less alone which is great because that leads me into one of my first tips um erica back to your question is the first tip i recommend is to and it's and it's not easy to do but i want to start with it because when you're experiencing imposter syndrome because you're fearful of being exposed you're fearful to talk about it Right, you're scared to say, "Hey, Erica, I'm feeling this way. I feel like I'm fooling everyone. You know, I feel, I feel like everyone's. You know, it's a hard conversation to have. But tip number one is, I want you to normalize the conversation around imposter syndrome. It impacts seventy percent of individuals. All of you can jump on Google right now, and you'll see a gazillion references to it. I want you to know you're not alone, and I want you to normalize the conversation with people that you trust." So that's someone talking to you, Erica, in your community, chatting to their friend, their partner, someone you trust, of course, so you feel safe, you feel psychologically safe. And I want you to say to them, oh gosh, I'm having this really, I feel really strange today, or I'm feeling this way, and talk about it. Because the odds are that the other person you're talking to either feels it or understands it, or even if they don't, they're going to be able to help you talk through it. So you can't share your way out of imposter syndrome, but normalizing the conversation, because we've got to take action, which I'm going to get to in a second, but um, normalizing the conversation. It's great to be on this podcast, Erica, and be sharing this with you and your platform. Let's normalize talking about it. Let's normalize that it could be a part of the process. And you nailed that, Erica, in what you just said earlier. And let's get the conversation happening. So if there's somebody who can help you move through it faster, you're in a great position. I love that you said that as your first point. Um, in, in terms of normalizing and having a conversation, because in my own experience, just the simple act of doing this is a complete perspective shift. So my, I guess, trusted yep. go-to person is my partner. And I often will yep. tell him how I'm feeling, you know, like, oh, I just feel like I'm not good enough to do this or, you know, whatever it is. And when I tell him, he just stops me and says like, do you realize you've done this, 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 all in today's work, you know, or you've achieved this and look where you were a year ago. This is something, you know, you would have dreamed to have done one year ago. And it just gives you that moment to kind of step out of your head and go, okay, like I'm, I'm kind of maybe being, it's what I find is it's that moment of realization of how much of a harsh critic you're being on yourself. If you kind of fall into that category. So I think it's such a positive thing to do, but caveat on that is of course you need to be in the environment that's going to be conducive to giving you that feedback because obviously if, if you're Correct. not in that environment it's probably going to or potentially be a further trigger so i just wanted to add my two cents there because i i totally agree whether it's a professional um or, or somebody you know that you've got very close to you that you can trust i think it's a great place to start as well agreed i, I love what i love what you said there and um and, and you're right, normalizing the conversation is super important because it impacts so many of us. So as I said, around 70%. So the odds are there are plenty other people around you right now that you know in your immediate circle, let alone extended circles, communities, platforms, et cetera, that are experiencing this. So if we can, um, again, it's not about sharing your way out of it, but it's about normalizing how you feel. We need to try and get it out of us because if you're experiencing imposter syndrome, your thoughts are already going negative to all those examples you just gave. So you can't simply just think your way out of it. You actually have to break the cycle by doing different things, which I know Erica aligns with the work that you do perfectly as as well um, in, you know, in your community. So let's normalize the conversation. Let's find people. So I think we've, we've spoken about that and that gives everybody the sense. The second tip I have for everyone is what is super important to helping you dismantle your own personal imposter syndrome is to understand its origin. 
So all of us who experience imposter syndrome have what I call an origin story. So that is the first moment in your life. You could have been 14, you could have been 19, you could have been 25, whatever it is, could be right now, <laughs> yeah, or whatever it is, is that I want you to take yourself back to the very first moment. And this is not about you know psychoanalyzing you or deliberately trying to take you back to childhood or anything like that, but it's important because if we know the origin of where it started, then we can start to map the paths that you've taken or the action that you have or haven't taken because of it. So it's all about capturing your, what we call behavior cycles. So when was the first time you felt these feelings? Where was it? Where were you? How old were you? Who was involved? What environment it's in? So everything that I'm saying now, you can all grab a pen and paper when you're listening to this and actually do this exercise. It is super powerful for bringing awareness to why you as an individual experience imposter syndrome. Right, you need to understand where that came from because if where it came from is still heavily in your life, that's going to play a factor in getting you out of it, which is what I said earlier, is because you're going to be triggered more, right? You go, so for example, if you go to work and your workplace triggers your imposter syndrome and you're there five days a week, it's going to be super challenging, not impossible, but we're going to have to give you different management tools, right? So the first step is normalizing, which we've decoded. The second step is what's your origin story? And this is a great exercise for you to take yourself back and go, oh gosh, that's when it was. This person said that it made me feel this way. And because I felt that way, I did or didn't do these things I wanted to do. And would super you suggest exercise? Yeah. Would you suggest people do that? Like, uh, as a mental exercise that they journal is there like a best practice no, way should, to do that they should definitely definitely journal. i just picked up a pen then but for anyone who's only <laughs> listening to the audio <laughs> um they should journal erica you nailed it and because as you know the connection the brain body mind body connection when we journal and we need to and the other key thing is why we journal or write down or post-it notes or whatever you want whiteboard if you're creative right why we do that is we must get out of our head when it comes to imposter syndrome, because our head or our thoughts are already taken over by the negative cycle. So grab a pen and paper, grab your journal and get those, uh, get that scenario out of your head, right? And then that's the second step. And then the third part, let's look at the self-talk and the language to start with. So we can start to reframe it, what we call reframe when we take a negative and we turn it into an equivalent positive so we can take action which links back to a lot of the work that you do. So for example, if a negative thought, imposter thought that you have in your head is, I will never be as good as Alison who has her podcast, right? Well, then I want you to reframe that question and say, well, why, why would I never be good enough? Like, I'm great. I have the ability to do that. Who am I not to do that? I should be doing that, right? So I want you to try and flip the lens. So when you're saying you are not good enough, I want you to question yourself. You can do this in your own time. Is well, Why do I believe I'm not good enough? Why do I think I can't do that? And what we're doing from these exercises is we're drawing out all of sort of the negative feelings and thoughts that we're having and we're getting them down onto paper, right? And that's really important because I'm just going to give you one more tip now as a high level for today is once you've got all of that down on paper, we need to break that cycle. And this is where the action comes in. And so, so if we've got all that down and we're like, we know we're normalizing it, we're starting to talk to people, wonderful. We know our origin story. We've kind of mapped out then what the negative thoughts are and come up with some positive reframes. The final step to really cement that reframe and that new confidence in you is to take action. So I want you to say to yourself, okay, when my imposter syndrome is firing, I usually do this negative thing 
this negative I procrastinate. Let's stay on that because you said that earlier. So I want you to say to yourself, well, today, what's one little thing I can do to break that cycle of procrastination? And this is where your micro micro goals and micro wins or not sure what you call them in your program, Erica, but I'm sure micro goals, exactly. Yeah. Micro goals. So this is where they come into play. So it's like, right, I've got this imposter negative habit of procrastination. What is one thing I can do today or this week? We want to make it quick. We don't want to say next week. That's too far away. What can we do today, right now, that that gets us one little micro percentage past procrastination? So it could be I'm just going to do one paragraph of that email I've got to write or send one email. It's I'm going to think about two guests I want on my podcast and go and research them or send a note to them. Or I'm going to do whatever it is, whatever, but you need to come up with a micro goal. And you need to do that micro goal, which I'm sure is music to your ears. But we need to come up with it and we need to say, I'm going to do this micro goal. So I want you, I don't actually care how micro it is, I want you to do it. If you do it, you're going to commence breaking that cycle. If you don't do it, you're going to be exactly where you are um, tomorrow as to where you are today. So um, I know I've shared a lot of info, but anyone watching, listening to this can go back and, and re-listen to it. But they are the four key areas that I would start with to break and start to break the cycle of your imposter syndrome. Um, and also, you know, you can check out my content across my platforms. You can have a look at other experts. I recommend Dr. Valerie Young, global leading expert in imposter syndrome, one of my mentors, which I'm really, you know, happy to say. She has phenomenal work across her site as well. Go and find some awesome, creditable information because I know you're going to find it super helpful and it's going to make you feel less alone because you're definitely not alone. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and that last point is absolutely, like you said, music to my ears. And I think, I think the thing um, people don't realize is sometimes it is just doing the 1% every day that just gets you there eventually. It's, it's, you know, we have 365 days in a year. So that's 365% of any task you want to achieve, as long as you kind of break it down and work out what the micro steps are. But I love that point about reframing, because sometimes all you need is that perspective shift. It's just about and this is one thing I learned, um, I did quite a bit of therapy last year to kind of just work through and understand the psychology and neuroscience behind, I guess, the what, the reason and, and the way I think. And it was just such a such an empowering thing to do. And, and everyone on here listening knows I'm the biggest advocate of it. But one thing that, I, like, you know, I have so many nuggets that I took away from it. But one thing I remember thinking, or I guess having a bit of a light bulb moment was like, just because I have a thought in my head doesn't make it true. And I will say it as many times as I can on this podcast, because truthfully, when something is in your head or you think something, you just take it as truth. You take it as fact on face value and you don't even think to question it most of the time as an automatic response. So I think just what you suggested there is as just reframing and writing it down in a different way or questioning it and kind of taking it as an opportunity to dive a little bit deeper into your psyche, I think is a beautiful tip. I think it's such an important one. I think it's one you can do on the spot as well. You know, you could just whip out your phone wherever you are and just give it a go. You could journal if you're in somewhere that's comfortable or most of us are on the computer most of the time can just, you know, pull up notes or whatever it is. So I think very, very powerful tips and suggestions today. Of course, I don't think I need to add anything further to the taking action part either, but ultimately you get re- your brain will get really good at whatever it is you're doing. So if you've been procrastinating for an X amount of period of time, or you, you know, you've been talking to yourself in a certain way, your brain has probably gotten good at that. And so it's going to take a little bit of effort to get out of it. So again, just to back your point about what That's you said right. before, it's, 
yeah, not going to be an overnight thing. It'll be something you have to actively and be proactive with um, probably for a, a length and a period of time. And these tools, I think, are great even for myself now to walk away with when I have those imposter moments um, or even moments of self-doubt. I think even if you don't feel like you're at the level both, of imposter both. syndrome, right. I think yeah. definitely um, it, it can be very, very useful when it comes to self-doubt. So I really appreciate you sharing all of that. Um, and I guess in the sake of time, I think I'm probably going to ask you one more question. Um, and that is kind of a flip to everything we've been talking about. And it's, it's about our authentic selves. So I suppose when we're not experiencing imposter syndrome, we're more authentic to who we are, what we want to do. Um, I guess, you know, the sky's the limit type situation. So how can we actually become our authentic self? Or I suppose if your, if your response is, I guess, get out of imposter syndrome, how do we know when we are being our authentic self? What does that feel like? Yeah, so that's a great question. And just before I answer that, I, you, when you were talking before, I, I had one of my favorite quotes running through my head, and that is, um, our thoughts are not facts. Mm, and you kind of, and you kind of, and that's something that it's, I encourage people to, to remind is we are driven heavily by our thoughts, but to stop and question and say, hang on, these thoughts are not facts. They're just thoughts. What are they telling me? Because if you're experiencing imposter syndrome, which you also said this perfectly, you are stuck in automatic subconscious thinking. So that means negative thoughts are on autopilot in your head and you need to break those through conscious choices, right? By intercepting them. So I think I loved what you said there. So, and I just wanted to, to highlight that and, and yes, bringing up with, um, with authentic self, which, which I love. So reconnecting with your authentic self is a, is a super critical part in overcoming imposter syndrome because imposter syndrome makes you feel like you have to be someone else. You have to pretend to be someone else. You have to have a different level of competency, like I shared earlier. So back to, well, how do we know when we're being our authentic selves? Well, it's simply that we are being true to ourselves and we are not, uh, this is my view, I'm giving my now my yep, personal yep. and professional opinion, is that we are not driven by fear. We are driven by desire and, and truth and, and want. So, for example, if you're, if you as an author, you, I'll use me actually. So authentically, you know, I, whatever it is I want to achieve in, in, in my life or to myself. So I want to, I want to be a great person. I want to give back. There are certain um, charities and organizations that, that I support. So all the actions that I'm doing, which also link back to me as a person, if I'm doing those things because I truly desire them because they make me happy or they bring me joy or I feel like I'm contributing or I feel like I'm part of a community, whatever the wording may be for you, and I'm doing those by pure choice, by pure desire, by pure drive, and it's not driven by fear, then I believe you're being your authentic self or certainly a version of it. When we start making decisions or turning the lens on ourselves from a fear-driven perspective, which is usually where the negative stuff comes from, that's when we're starting to have a clash with who we authentically are. And we see this with, um, with uh, for example, you grow up in a family and uh, they're all lawyers or doctors or they run a business and you want to be an artist or a digital creative content or a Pilates instructor or an entrepreneur and your family hates that idea. In fact, they almost flat out, like no you have to do the fair and there is this clash between who you authentically are and who you're going to be forced to be that's when imposter syndrome can spring up as well but yeah my takeaway for you today um erica or how i this is against my personal professional opinion is when we're being true and driven by desire 
by happiness, by joy, by what we actually want to do. And fear is not leading. You might be fearful in those moments. You might go, oh, I'm about to take, this is authentically what I want, but it's still a bit scary. But fear is not leading the decision or the view on yourself. Fear is not leading. It's going to be in the equation. We're all human. We all get scared. We're never going to get rid of fear, but it's not leading. It's not pulling the wagon. It's not directing the way. So does that answer your question? I just yeah, want to make sure yeah, absolutely. It. And I love the humility in that, in, in acknowledging, you know, fear is potentially going to be present, but it's looking at where you're leading from. And I think a really simple way we can reflect on that is what is my intention? You know, if you're doing mm. something because... That's a great way you know, you're fearful of something else, then that's when you maybe know you're coming from a, a place of fear. But if your intention is, like you said, um, with, so for something that aligns with who you feel you are authentically and you may feel fear along the way, then there's a clear distinction between the two. So I think that's a brilliant um, takeaway and a fantastic place to actually wrap up the conversation on. Um, I just firstly want to thank you so much for the work you do. I think it's um, a great niche area and something I've only recently come across, but I'm super interested in. So for anyone who's loved the chat today, definitely link up with Alison on socials. I'll pop links um, in the show notes below, but I also really wanted to thank you for your time. I know you're super busy, but I, I really appreciate everything you've shared today. And I know I guess would have gotten so, so much out of it. For anyone who wants to potentially connect with you a little bit further, I know I've jumped the gun there and assumed it's social media, um, but is there anywhere else they can reach out and I can pop links to that in the show notes as well? Yeah, thank you. Um, well, firstly, and thank you because I, I love the work that you do, Erica, and I was really flattered to be invited onto this podcast. So I just want to take a moment to say thank you because um, what you do, the inspiration that you're doing, the practical tools um, and the community you're building, I think is so valuable. Um, and you know, so thank you as well in, in return and thank you for the invitation and social media is fine. Um, you can also go to my website, alisonshamir.com. It's Alison Shamir across all platforms. So I'm super easy to find, um, if if you're looking (laughs) consistent, if you're, um, if you're looking for me and if you're interested in, um, just some free, um, and deep sort of resources and things to just educate yourself in your own time, you can have a look at my blog. Um, on my website or my media page or just any of the work that I do there, which is all accessible to you. Also linked across to Instagram because I share lots of great and, and free insights as well before you even get to, you know, coaching to to help you. So um, if it's resonated, there's heaps of heaps of my resources out there that you can grab across any platform you want. So thank you. You're welcome. And um, yeah, absolutely. I'd recommend checking them out. And I know you've been on a lot of other podcasts too, and they're all linked on your website as well. So a lot of material there for you guys to see through if you are interested, but thank you again so much. And I look forward to seeing how your business goes and where you take it in the next couple of years. And I'm sure we'll have you on in the near future again. Oh, well, thank you. It's been such a great chat and I've personally learned so much from you. So thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. And that's a wrap for this week, Balancers. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found this episode useful to some degree in either steering or determining your definition of balance today. As always, the biggest compliment for us is if you share this episode with someone who you feel might need it, or if you're on Spotify, you can click follow or on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or review. If you have any suggestions for up and coming podcasts, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email. Our Instagram is at the balance theory and our email is the balance theory podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise you've always got the option of subscribing to our mailing list. We only send you email reminders when the episodes drop. So you get them fresh out of the oven. No annoying spam. We promise. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and until next time, stay balanced. Balance.